makes me happier. Now I'll explain. It does you too, you just don't know it. Let's say that you're at a six on the happiness scale. And you hear a cry from the other room. Now all of us drop to a three or a four because... <gasps> now we don't think a kid's hurt. We think, is that my kid? And then when you realize it's not, you're at a seven or an eight. Because of the relief. You don't want to be happier because this kid is crying, but it's just the way your body works. You think, oh, whew. And now you're smiling more because there's another kid crying. And we all live on a scale of sorts, you know? Like we live on, I, I'm, at, I'm, I, I, I'm at this place in my life. And we evaluate ourselves constantly. Where are we now? Well, we're in this place. We're at church. No, but like, where are we in our life? I don't know, and you don't know either. But for some reason, we've always tried to figure out where we are on a spectrum or on a ladder or in a hierarchy. Have we succeeded like... Um, like someone else has succeeded. Do I have, do I have the sort of job that this person I graduated with has? Or do I, how's, how's my marriage? And we don't just say, how's my marriage? We say, how's my marriage compared to other marriages? And that's always going to get you in trouble, whether you see it as something like you're higher than somebody else or you're lower than somebody else. Because if you're lower, you're just always going to beat yourself up. You're higher than someone else, you're always going to beat them up. You'll always either, in a hierarchy or a pyramid, you'll always either be stepped on or be stepping on others. But God does not call us to operate or function in this way, where my happiness is based on the brokenness of others, where I have succeeded because others have failed. Listen to the way we talk. Oh, I would have never done that. You might have. If you'd been in their shoes, if you'd been raised by who they were raised by, if you grew up with the same problems they grew up with, you might have. Oh, you know, I'm not, it really bothers me that this person does that or this. But we never say that about ourselves, or we rarely say that about ourselves. We rarely say, oh, it really bothers me that I do this. Because we forgive ourselves really fast. Whenever we find out we're wrong, we're immediately right. And so we only feel that we're wrong for like a tenth of a second. Where we can watch someone else be wrong their whole life. The hierarchy will destroy every relationship you have. Trying to feel who's better and who's worse, who's more civil and who's, who's not, who's, who's, the, who's the, um, the greatest and the least. Let's try to give everyone a name tag that says their place in life and it just won't work for you and you can't have relationships when when this is going on inside of you you can't 
interact with other people. You can't love other people when you think they're less than you. You have to feel like they are just as worthy as you are for love, for, it, for relationships, for love to work. Jonah wrestled with this quite a bit because God calls him to Nineveh and he says no. And the reason he says no is not because he's afraid of the people of Nineveh. The reason he says no, and we saw this three weeks ago, the reason he says no is he's afraid God will relent. You don't want to be the guy who um, falsely makes a, uh, you don't want to be the guy that comes in and says, hey, all of you are being destroyed and then walk out and then it didn't happen. And he knew God would do that. He knew as soon as they repented that he would show mercy. And that's exactly what happened. He, he, he runs away, gets swallowed by a fish, gets thrown up onto the ground, and then he go, walks to Nineveh, walks about a day's journey into Nineveh and says, 40 days and Nineveh's overthrown, and then walks out. And everyone says, oh no. And they put on sackcloth and ash. They, they fast. They don't eat. They, they don't even let their cows eat, which is hard because cows are standing on their food. <laughs> I've thought about that for way too long on trips. Like, they're just standing on their food. It's like if we walked around on bread. Rachel's like, what are you thinking about? Nothing. <laughs> but they, nobody eats. Everyone grieves. Everyone repents. And God relents. God says, no, I was going to overthrow this, but because you've changed your ways. And then in Jonah chapter 4, we get the heart of Jonah. And I think this might be our heart at times too, and we have to pay careful attention to how we function in our relationships so that we don't look like this. And there's one question that will get us, and we'll find that out in a second. But Jonah, but Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That... It, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, that last sentence before he says, kill me, it would be a positive thing. If it were said in a different context, like if, if Jonah had, I don't know, run from God and then God, instead of killing him, gave him a second chance. And then he said, I know that you are a, a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Like if when we say that about God, point, when God points that at us, that is praise. But when he points it at our enemy, we are convicting God in a way. Not that it sticks because God's love is abounding. He is slow to anger. God does relent from sending calamity. But when it's to our enemy, just take away my life, he says. Take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, 
is it right for you to be angry? The implied answer here is no. Is it right for you to be upset about this? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He made one of those noises when he sat down. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, provided a worm, or God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that, that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And guys, that's where Jonah ends. That's the end of Jonah. Also many animals. There sits Jonah, mad, and God telling him, you have no right to be mad. And Jonah says, yes, I do. That's it. That's all of Jonah. And Jonah is a mirror of sorts. And when we, have to, when we read Jonah... We have to ask ourselves this question. Are we okay with God loving our enemies as much as he loves us? Are we okay with God loving our enemies as much as God loves us? Are we okay with God forgiving their sins like he has forgiven our sins? Are we okay with that? What type of person irritates you? Don't answer that out loud. Don't point. I can tell you this much. I'm about to spend six days with junior high students. Um, and I, I am... Uh, in charge, essentially, of 85 uh, counselors and campers. And Rachel's in charge of cooking for all of those campers and counselors. I think she has the harder job because hers does not include Frisbee. Um, but I'm in charge of all those kids, and those kids will come up and they're going to tell me a story. And I have to do this. I've been working on it. Well, what happened then? <laughs> See, it looks almost genuine. I'm working on it. Like, 
because they are so bad at stories. It, it, and they're, they're, they're wonderful little projects of human beings. I mean, we're, we're, taking, we're taking one, and it's the only cool one. Brennan. Brennan's the only cool kid at camp. No, but they're, they're just... And listen, the, the girls are fine. The boys, you know, they just have this, like... They snort, and they stink, and they're like, Yeah, I've showered. And you have to find the people that irritate you the most and dive into that relationship. And I joke about junior high kids. I'm actually, I'm, I'm fine with them. We, we, you wouldn't imagine I get along with children, fine. <laughs> but there are, there are people in your life, and we'll say this, certain types of sinners. Because you all got, you got all sorts of sinners in your life. But there's certain types that bother you. And are you okay with God forgiving them like that he's forgiven you? Are you okay with sharing the love of God with people you deem unworthy? And the answer you might think is, well, don't deem them unworthy. But I would argue that to get there, you first have to be willing to share the love of God with them. Are we okay with God loving our enemies like God has loved us? And there are jerks. There are jerks. There are, are, um, are selfish people in this world. There are, um, there, there are mean people. And that's all of us when we're hungry. That's all of us at the, at the least of our day. And we all have moments when we're low and we all have moments when we're you know, above what we thought we could be. But, but for some reason, we've always gauged ourselves at our greatest and gauged others at their worst and created this ladder where I'm on top and other people are beneath me. And our enemies, our enemies are, are always, you know, when you never look at your enemy like, ah, oh, they're so good. I would never do that. That's a good, that, that's probably right. You would never do what they do, but you'd probably do this other thing. Jonah is mentioned one other time in Scripture. And he's mentioned as an enemy in, uh, when Amos is trying to prophesy against the people of Jerusalem. And, uh, and Jonah's like, no, everything's going to be fine. Jonah's wrong. And so are we. Who are the people that we need to serve? Who are the people that we need to love? Who is God calling us to? It rarely looks just like us. 
And, and it's, here's, the, here's the trick. It's not that the world needs Jonah's. God doesn't call Jonah because Jonah's the best. God calls Jonah because God wants to go to these people and Jonah's going to help him. The world does not need us. Mineral Springs does not need us because we're good. Mineral Springs needs us because we're God's. And God is calling us to people to be his kingdom in this place. We have, uh, we have people from all over the place in this building today. People who drive from Murfreesboro, from, uh, we used to have a family that comes from DeQueen. They're moving, but we, uh, Randy, Randy and Beverly Reynolds came from DeQueen. We have a lot of people from Nashville. Um, but this church meets in Mineral Springs, Arkansas. And we can't, as a church, serve all of the communities that meet in this building. So we've decided to work harder and harder, better and better at serving this community. One of the things we're going to do is um, we're looking at buying a building on Main Street. We do the great giveaway every year. And it's once a year. And I, I just the other week, I had someone come up to me and say, hey, are y'all giving out clothes anytime soon? And it pains me to say, can you wait until September? And so we're looking at trying, how can we best serve this community with the efforts that we're already doing? Can we make them more often? Can we have them in a specific located place? So we're looking at buying a building on Main Street that will be a place of ministry to this community. And so what we need from you guys just for right, right now is to just pray about it. As the, the building specifically, I don't know if you remember the old grocery store here. Is that right? The old grocery store. It's a big building. has a lot of opportunities. Um, a lot of things we could do out of it for this, these people. For Mineral Springs. Now, you may feel a tightness of, well, I'm a scrapper and dimmer hornets. Well, may, may God swallow you and spit you out here. <laughs> because this is, this is the place where we worship and it'll be the place that we serve. And, and it will, it'll give you something to do. Maybe you think, I don't know what, how to get plugged in. We're, we're starting new ministries. This is a time to do it. We want Joyce, Helen, Maurice, and Fran to go to more beaches. I mean, people have to take Charlie sandwiches, but go to more... We, they do a lot around here. We want them to do less because we want you to do more because we see not just our, our mission isn't just to meet here, but it's to serve here. Now, 
you may be absolutely fine with, uh, every, like, I'll, I'll jump in and serve here. I mean, I'm on board. But there's somebody else in your life that's your enemy. Now, Mineral Springs isn't our enemy. It was, a, it was an awful transition. But we are looking to serve people, and it doesn't matter where we come from. It just matters who's after them. And it's the same God who's after us. All that matters is that Jesus died for them. It's the same Jesus who died for us. The God who calls them is the same God who calls us. The God who calls us to serve others is the same God who's calling them to follow Him and serve alongside of us. We are called by God. And the greatest calling is the calling of Jonah to serve and minister to people who are not like you, are not from, not where you're from. To serve and honor those people. Now, who is your enemy? You've got to figure out whether or not you're okay with God loving them as much as you love them, as much as He loves you. Oh, but I'm not this, or I'm not that. I'm not a gossip. I'm not a glutton. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a slanderer or a homosexual. Or I'm not a. I'm not a. Um, I, I, I'm not somebody who, who stores up money. I'm not proud. I'm not. But you are something. And with that something, you are loved by God. And so we are called to love others and be okay with God's love for others. Oh, but I, I, I don't have a problem with my anger, and I'm not a racist, and I'm not... Who cares what you aren't? Just focus on whose you are. And everyone else belongs to that person too. God loves the broken. Thank God. He loves the broken. And he loves the people who are broken in ways that you aren't broken as much as he loves you in your brokenness. So this week, figure out who it is that would bother you so much for God to show favoritism to. And then show favoritism to those people. Who would it irk you for God to love? Love them. Who do you instinctively not like? Love them. It's a higher calling. It's simple to explain, but hard to live. And it's a higher calling of Jesus. And it's the lesson and message of Jonah. If you want to serve, repent, commit to Jesus, 
If you want to confess that Jesus is king of your life, be immersed into his death, burial, and resurrection. Join him. Today is your day. It's time to step up and start following the king. Please come forward while we stand and sing.